So is there ever a time in your life when you just need to be cut some slack? Yeah. Amen. One of my daughters, I'm not going to name her name, but Courtney and I were riding around the other day. And uh, she was talking about something and she said, Dad, why can't they just cut me some slack? And, and I was walking in this morning, I'm not going to name her name, but Spring and I were talking. And I said, hey, Spring, how's it going? She said, man, if I could just catch a break. So the truth is, we all need to be cut some slack. I mean, think about this. As a young one, my mother would set spinach and peas in front of me. It's like, come on, mama. Cut me some slack. Or how about this? Son, is that room picked up? Is that bed made? Well, I, my room was upstairs, so it was hard for me to have her really go up there and see it. But I'd say, yes, ma'am, and she'd say, now, son. See, she could tell. But I needed some slack. Or how about this? I was in Publix the other day, and I looked in my cart. So I went to the 10 items or less. And the lady behind me said, she pulls up, and she's going, And I had 11. And so I said to her, hey, the olive oil is on sale, two for one. So this really is one item. She just rolled her eyes. And I got through there. But, you know, I needed some slack. And then as I'm walking out of Publix, as you can see, as you know, you, those of you that have been around me for a long time, you know that I like to grocery shop, I like to cook, and I like to eat. And so as I'm walking out of Publix, here's a guy that pulls in the where they're supposed to bring it out to you, call the number, text you're here, and he just pulls up in there, and he just jumps out, and he's on his phone, and he's gone, and they're not going to bring out his stuff. He just took that space. And, you know, the part of me wanted to say, hey, but anymore, if you say something to somebody, they're liable to come out postal on you. So it's best just to, but I thought, well, you know, I just had 11 items, and he just parked in the green thing. What's the difference? Yeah. He needed some slack, and I needed some slack. Or how about this? You're riding down a road, minding your own business. You're not doing anything wrong. You hear this noise behind you. You look in your rearview mirror, and what do you see? Blue lights. See, somebody in here has seen those. <laughs> yeah, it's blue lights. And, you know, you're looking down, it's like you're doing 59. Depends on what zone you're in. Let's just say it's a 55. But, you know, it's like, can you cut me some slack? 
can you give me a break? See, we all need some slack, especially this time of year. But I'll tell you, in my life, I've needed slack 24-7-365. Yeah, I'm glad to see I'm not the only one in here. I go, we got a couple of righteous people that can confess your sins one to another and you will be made well. And so there's a couple of folks, and I'm going to get to a scripture in just a few minutes that talks about cutting some slack. It's scriptural, comes right out of the Bible. But I want to talk about a couple of quick stories of folks that got some slack. And as I tell these two stories, they're very, very well-known stories. As I tell these two stories, you'll recognize the stories, and you'll be able to draw your own opinion on whether the person deserved to get cut slack or didn't. Now, the first one is the, you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to talk about that briefly. But the Good Samaritan, the person I'm focusing on is the victim in the Good Samaritan. Now, this man was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a pretty good walk. And it drops precipitously down from Jerusalem down to Jericho with these high walls, narrow road. It's kind of like known as a trail of blood because people have, many, many people have been robbed there. And, and, and so there was this one man, the Bible doesn't really tell us in the story whether this one man did anything wrong. But one thing for sure is he fell among thieves or robbers. And what these thieves or robbers did was beat him. They stole whatever he had, and they disrobed him. And after they beat him, they threw him in the ditch. He was half dead, the Bible says. And he laid there. We don't know how long he laid there. And at this point, it doesn't look like he's done anything wrong. And the first person that comes by is a priest. He's coming from Jerusalem, going to Jericho. He's already finished his priestly duties and priests aren't supposed to touch things that are unclean because then they're unclean for seven days and they can't perform their duties. But he was coming away from performing his duties. And he saw the man in the ditch and it says he, he passed by. Next was a Levite, legal person who also worked in the temple and was coming from the temple to Jericho. He saw the man, walked on the other side. And then, as you know, the story is that this Samaritan came and saw him. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. The Samaritans were half-breed. And so this guy that has identified as a Samaritan stopped and helped this person that was probably a Jew. And he says he picked him up, cleaned him off, and put him on his own donkey. And then he took him into Jericho went to an innkeeper, cleaned up his wounds, got him a place to stay, and he told the innkeeper, look, I'll be coming back this way. So if you owe, if he owes any, I'll pay you. Just take care of him. So I suspect this man didn't deserve what happened to him. He was just outside going about his business and fell among thieves. And somebody helped him. 
He needed a break. He needed to be cut some slack. Now, I've been that person in the ditch. Now, I don't know about you, but I wasn't traveling between Jerusalem and Jericho. I didn't get beat up by robbers. But sometimes, out of no fault of my own, I fell in the ditch and got messed up and needed some help to get out. I needed somebody to cut me some slack. Can anybody in here say amen? amen. Yeah. It's happened to you too. Guess what? There's another story, and you'll be able to identify with this story really easy. It's the story of the prodigal son. Now, I know right now your head is spinning, and you're thinking, I can make some judgments on this. The prodigal son was one of the male children of a man that was wealthy. So this man had two sons, an older son that had stayed home and worked, kept things rolling, doing the right thing all the time, and then this younger son who told his dad he wanted all his inheritance now. He wanted to leave. He wanted to hit it. It's just like an 18-year-old child. As soon as they're 18, they're going to they're gonna get this, and they're going to get that, and they know this, and they know that, and they know more than you've ever known, and they've got it figured out. Has that ever been any of you in here? It's been me. And so this boy, he takes off, and he goes to a different country, and he has this wild lifestyle where he spends all that he had. And he's having to eat nasty food and sleep with pigs and hogs. You know, you can, you can probably in your mind easily assign some blame to this guy. Like, yeah, he's different than the guy that just fell in the ditch and the robbers got him. He probably deserves it. He should have known better. Maybe his father shouldn't have let him do that. I've been that guy too. How about you? I've been there where I got into a corner in a pinch on the edge of something. I did it of my own free will, and I needed some slack cut to me. Not because I deserved it. And the story says that the father was looking way off and saw this son who had gone wayward, who did the wrong thing, and he brought him in. Gave him a ring and a robe, threw a big party for him. The other brother was mad about it. But he needed a break. He needed some slack. Now, there's a principle we're going to look at in just a second. Some scripture that we're going to go over about cutting some slack. But here's the first thing. If you want to get some slack, you got to give some slack. If you want to be the person in Publix with 11 items, the next time somebody's up there with 22 items, in the 10 or less, you're you going to have to cut them some slack. If, if you're the one 
if you're the one who's looking at your cell phone and blocking up the turn lane at Yorktown and Dunlawton because you're too busy wondering about something and if you can't get in that turn lane you're going to have to wait another three minutes for that light to cycle back three whole minutes that you're never going to get back in your life again because somebody wasn't paying attention. If you're that person, then the next time you got your cell phone out and they're honking, instead of waving at them in that peculiar wave out the window, <laughs> yeah, just think about it. You see, slack was a term originated when boats were docking and a boat would be up and they'd tie the rope on a cleat to get the boat up and then you wanted to take the rope off the cleat to release the boat, you have to say, give me some slack. And that either pull the boat closer or use a motor to move it over and you'd get some slack in the rope so that you could take it off the cleat, throw it on the boat or throw it on the dock and you could, you could go ahead. Yeah, if you want to get some slack, you got to give some slack. Now, let me tell you what slack means if you're a churchy person. Like, everybody that doesn't go to church knows what some slack is. Because we've all needed it, we've all wanted it, we've all gotten it. Maybe we've given some. But slack in the Bible means grace or forgiveness in church words. It was my daughter Courtney and she said, I just, Dad, I need some grace. Why won't they give me some grace? I said, well, I'll be talking about that in two weeks. <laughs> so the Bible's got some scripture that talks about this. It's in Luke 6. Starts in verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Sounds like the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Matter of fact, it's just a few verses up from here. Jesus is teaching his disciples a principle that is an eternal principle. And I want you to know that it goes through the years. It just travels through the years, and it's just as applicable here today as it was when Jesus was teaching his disciples this. Don't judge. I'm not talking about using good judgment. Yes, you should use good judgment. There's a big hole in the road, and there's water flowing over it. Don't drive in the hole. That's not what I'm talking about. Or there's a power line down. We've just had these uh, storms. There's a power line down. You don't drive over a power line. I'm not talking about that kind of judging. 
I'm talking about when somebody does something wrong and they need some slack. It says don't judge. To judge is to form an opinion or to subject someone to a sentence. Just like I was subject for 11 items. It was really 10 because the two, it was buy one, get one. And if olive oil, it's $18 a, a container. If you can buy another one and get one free, you better get it. Yeah. Don't judge. And you won't be judged. Don't condemn. You see, it, it goes in steps. Judging is forming an opinion. I've got an opinion. Like the judge. Boom. Guilty. It says, don't judge and you won't be judged. It says, don't condemn and you won't be condemned. This condemning is a step further. It's a little deeper. Tell me you've never done it. It's like giving a sentence to someone. Guilty, boom, 10 years. Or guilty, you're a piece of junk. You deserve this. You should have, that should have happened to you. I hope you do this. I hope you this. I hope you that because look what you did. Man, Jesus is trying to say, don't, don't judge. And don't go even a step further. Don't condemn. My previous job, I'd seen so many parents judge and condemn their children for something so minor. I've seen so many husbands judge and condemn their wives. I've seen so many people judge and then condemn those around them. God says that there's a, a better way to do it. Because when you start judging and you start condemning, you take on the role of the judge. You're, you're the one that takes it on. And, and, and listen to what it says. Don't judge, you won't be judged. Don't condemn, you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. The word forgiven means to be set free, to let go. I can hear my dad over the years, son, let that go. Son, let that go. Yeah, but dad, do you know what they did? I know full well what they did, son. Let it go. I'm still learning for him. Let it go. Look, I'm telling you. Let it go. Because when you start carrying judgment, and you start carrying condemnation, and you start putting it out on those that you want to because they fill in the blank, guess what you're doing? You're doing somebody else's job. You see, what does this matter? Judgment is really God's job. It's, it's not ours. And, and if we let this stuff go, look at the results. Give and it'll be given to you. Now, a lot of theologians, a lot of pastors, a lot of churches use this as a giving of tithes and offerings. It, giving is a principle. Sowing and reaping is a principle. But in this particular instance, it's talking about 
giving forgiveness. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Give and it'll be given to you. What's that? Slack. You're going to get some slack. Listen to how this works. Give it will be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, which means compressed. Shaken together. You know how things just shake together. And running over. When I was a boy, I had this big bowl. It was green. It was about this big. And we had frosted flakes in our house. We'd pour frosted flakes in there. And once I'd get it about half full, what would I do? I'd crush it down. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. And I'd pour another half bowl in there. Crush it down. My mother would laugh just like y'all were laughing. And then I'd get some whole milk. Because that's all we drank back then, whole milk. And I'd pour it in there, and I'd get a spoon and not a teaspoon. The least would be a tablespoon. I'd get a serving spoon from time to time, but I couldn't get it in my mouth. You see, this is what God wants for us. He wants it to be pressed down, compressed, shaken together. And running over. That's what he wants in our lives. Forgiveness. That's what he wants in our lives. Slack. And it says this. And it will be poured into your lap. And it was. You see, it's not just about frosted flakes. It's about forgiveness. It's about slack. It's about grace. God wants us to have it. Jesus himself is saying right now, give, give this and forgiveness and grace slack will be given to you. It'll be given to you, pressed down, compressed, shaken together and running over in your life. And it says that it will be poured onto your lap. When you, when you look at this word in the Greek, it, it means your bosom. It'll just be poured, and it says, between your arms and all over your chest. Gino this morning was talking about how we are cleansed with the blood of the Lamb. I want you to know that this is the same concept. Grace, unmerited favor. When we give it, it's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's poured on our bosom. It's like that feeling when you step into a warm shower. It's like, oh, yeah. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, judgment is God's job. But if you want some slack, you've got 
to give some slack. If you want some grace, you've got to give some grace. If you want forgiveness, you've got to give forgiveness. Try giving first. And here's how you do it. Um, One of my jobs was I was an educational administrator at college. And this regulating agency wrote a letter to one of the programs I was running. It was, a, it was a very, very big program. And I thought she was wrong. And she was, in fact, wrong. So I sat down and wrote her a letter. And the folks that worked just below me and with me said, don't send that letter. Yeah, but she's wrong. Don't send the letter. I typed it out. And they said, how about this? We're going to sit in here and you just read it out to us. As loud as you want. Tell us how you really feel. No. No, I sent her the letter. That was a big mistake. To send somebody that regulates you a nasty letter. So here's how you do this. Scripture says be quick to listen, slow to speak. If you are in a situation where you have to judge or you want to judge, if you're in a situation where you've got that text and this made you mad or an email, Think and count to ten before you send it. Just take a pause. And policing is called a tactical pause. Use it. Because by the measure that you give, you're going to get. You need some slack in your life today. You want some grace and some forgiveness? I do. Start today by thinking of it on the flip side. Yeah, I want some slack. I promise you before this day is over, you're going to go out here and drive, and you're going to go somewhere or see someone or maybe even in here when you're trying to get in line to get to eat and somebody's ahead of you and you think you should be ahead of them because it wouldn't happen in church, would it? count your blessings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dear Lord, I thank you today that judgment is your job. And Father, thank you in your word. Just two short verses can teach us that Father, not only how we get slack, but how we should give slack. Father, help us in our lives to use you as a model. Father, to use you as our guider, our principal, our director. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.